0: Genesis forty nine verse twenty two. Perhaps you could read along with me so that you know your version is, you know, real for you. Joseph is a fruitful vine, a fruitful vine near a spring, whose branches climb over a wall. With bitterness archers attacked him and they shot at him with hostility, but his bow remained steady. His strong arms stayed limber because of the hand of the mighty one of Jacob, because of the shepherd, the rock of Israel. I'm just going to leave that there and I'm sure God will bless the reading of his word. (coughs) I want to just take each of these things and just talk a little bit into them if I can. They, I think, are part of the deepest human need in all of our lives and we have a number of insatiable passions, longings and desires that sometimes I think, if we're not careful, we will try and meet in counterfeit ways, but they can only truly be met in relationship with God. When we reconnect with God, we're reconnecting to identity and purity, and we're reconnecting to the source of all that is good. And so being born again is not just about being free from our sin and the consequences of that sin. Being born again is being brought into a place where we are now positioned in Christ to receive all the blessings of being in relationship with God the Father. And so I believe sometimes we get a little stuck with this because we think that Jesus only came to relieve us from the problem and the difficulty of our sin. But he did more than that. He came to bring us into a full relationship with the Father. A relationship that will transform our lives so profoundly, we will become unrecognizable. In fact, let me just highlight a couple of things that that does for you. When you meet perfect love, all other loves become very, very pale in comparison. And there is a desire in the human soul to experience perfect love. To be loved perfectly is indeed at the core of our truest identity. And with all due respect to people that have loved me because they are not perfect themselves, they can't always and can't really possibly love me out of the perfection. They don't have that perfection, but God who is perfect in all his ways loves us out of his perfection. And we were created to be loved. You were created in love, The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, a community of lovers, created you. You were birthed not in your mother's womb initially, but you were birthed in the heart of God. And God created you in an environment and a context of love. And he created you not just out of love, but he created you for love. And Jesus picks up that theme in the Gospel of John where he says perfect love. In other words, the perfection of God's love for us drives out of us all fake and, and floundering expressions of love, all fear, all concern, all anxiety, all shame, all of the things that so often preoccupy our human existence. So you were created in love for love. Someone say amen to that, that's good news. <coughs> Being reconnected with God opens me up to the possibility of experiencing that exquisite love. In fact, the deep longing of my soul is to know him in that way. And desiring him and wanting him is something that's consistent in the lives of those who have discovered him. If you have seen him as he truly is, you will always want more of him. If you've seen religion, you will want less of him. And sometimes we have got to be careful because religion gets, it becomes almost like an obstacle to the reality of God. It gives us a formula kind of, processing thinking pattern that actually robs us from the very experience that we were desiring and the very experience we were designed for. We don't need religion. Religion binds people, constricts people and reduces people to voice activated disciples. Jesus didn't come to give us religion. He came to deal with the issue of our sin and to bring us into relationship with the Father. And the same kind of relationship that Jesus enjoyed while he was here on earth with his heavenly father, we have access to because Christ has made a way for us where there wasn't a way before. He has opened up a new and living way where we can come boldly before God's throne of grace and enjoy sweet fellowship with him. And trust me, your soul really needs that. Your whole being really craves that. It's everything you've been looking for in all the wrong places. And tonight, if you're here for the first time and you don't know God, that's the invitation. We're not inviting you to come into a religious organization. We don't want you to jump through hoops. There's only one thing you need to do, and that is to recognize you need him. And when you recognize you need him, he will come and he will forgive you because that's part of that. And then he will step towards you in intimacy and relationship, and you can have a very flourishing relationship with God. The psalmist David puts it this way. He says, as the deer pants for streams of water. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen an animal when they're thirsty, but they're not necessarily polite. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul craves after you. I long to experience you, God, to know you to have fellowship with you, to be reconnected in the fullness that is possible for my human experience here on the earth. And you know, everything that we do really is about reinvigorating that relationship, bringing us closer to God, bringing us nearer to who we truly are in Christ and understanding who God is for us. The truth is this church, that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. There is a connection between the cravings in your heart and the glory of God. Now your cravings were given to you by God and they were given for this reason, to lead you to God because only God can satisfy those parts of your life. So right here at the beginning of this particular passage, we see that Joseph is a fruitful vine. In other words, he's satisfied. He's flourishing. He's alive. He's exuberant. He's living in the fullness of what's possible as a human being. Is there anybody here tonight who would like that kind of fullness? That fullness is accessible through the forgiveness of God and the relationship that Jesus has opened up for us with God the Father in heaven. You will not find that fullness in any other experience. Firstly, everything that we have that's human is temporal, but God is eternal. With all the best will in the world, people will promise you all kinds of things, but they may not always be around to fulfill their promises. Only God can speak a word and know that it will have eternal consequences. Only God's word is yes and amen. Lots of people, well-meaning in my life, has said yes, but they never said the amen. They said yes to something, but it never, and it didn't always come to pass. So if you want to be like Joseph, a fruitful vine, you need to understand where the connection takes place. It takes place in the reality of what Jesus has accomplished for us. God has made a way for us to come before him and reconnect with him so that our lives can be filled with all of his goodness. That's what you're looking for. That's what your heart is craving for. That's what we were designed for. In love we were created, for love we are here. Now how many of us have tried all kinds of things to be fruitful? Can I just say something about fruitfulness? You can be successful without God But you cannot be fruitful without God. God is the one who produces life in us. Now, we can have all manner of successes in the world. I've had a little bit of a taste of that. You know, I did Eurovision twice. The second time was to apologize for the first song. In fact, the Eurovision song I sung the first time has the most la-la-las of any Eurovision song. Can you imagine how bizarre? It's in the Guinness Book of Records. Go out and buy it. I've had a measure of success, I come from very humble beginnings, and to me those things mattered at the time, but you know, they were fleeting, and often they were quite empty. When you've worked your whole life for something, and you move towards it, and you think it's going to bring the answers to the questions that you have in your soul about what is or isn't valuable, and you realize that on every hill, unless there's a cross there, it's quite empty. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and somehow in the process of trying to attain, it loses his soul, loses his very self, his very reality internally? So you can be successful without being fruitful, but you cannot be fruitful in the kingdom of God unless Christ is at the center of your life. Now these cravings that you have, these desires, that can only be satisfied in Christ, they come in a variety of shapes and forms. And so when it says here that Joseph is fruitful, he's not just talking about financially. And I think sometimes in the church, we're a little guilty of of allowing ourselves the luxury of thinking that fruitfulness is just financial blessing. When God wants to bless your life, it's so much more than finance. He wants to bless your relationships. He wants to bless your health. He wants to bless you as an individual so that you are fully awakened and fully alive. It's not even just about productivity in the kingdom of God. I've even heard people talk about fruitfulness as winning people for Jesus. Trust me, if you're fully alive, you will win lots more people to Jesus than you do when you're half empty. When somebody gets born again for the first time, they're so in love with Jesus, they just tell everybody about Jesus and many people come to faith, not because they've been on a training school or they've had all kinds of equipping to evangelize. In fact, sometimes that can be the kiss of death to that kind of life. But simply out of the overflow of a heart that is full and fruitful, all kinds of people come into the kingdom of God. So if you even want to be a great soul winner, be a fruitful individual. Be fully alive, be fully engaged with God and allow him to satisfy the deep cravings of your heart. But fruitfulness is far more than just people coming to faith. It's far more than ministry. Do you know that the ministry that we have here is the work of the Holy Spirit? (coughs) I have a little issue sometimes when people say to me, I'm called to the ministry. I want to ask, what is that? You see, because the only person ministering here is the Holy Spirit. I'm not in the ministry. The ministry may be in me. It may be the working of the Holy Spirit in me that God is using to extend through me to bless other people. Now, I know that this is probably a little bit, you know, risque to say. But actually, I wonder if sometimes people get caught up with the title or the position. You see, there is no position without being positioned before God. If you're not in right relationship with God, whatever we do, whatever we call it, it's not necessarily creating the life that we hope it does. It can sometimes just be words. And having worked with many leaders over the years. People say things like this. Well, I'm a minister now. What well, can I just say to you, church? If you have been ministered to, you are already a minister. If God has done something in you, you have a ministry. You may not stand up here to do it, but wherever you go, you are called by Christ to bring life to every circumstance you find yourself in. You don't need a job title like mine. In fact, if you had any sense, you'd keep as far away from this as you possibly could. So fruitfulness is far more, excuse my voice, that sounds a bit weird, doesn't it? Fruitfulness, fruitfulness. (laughs) It sounds like a carry-on film. Fruitfulness is far more than ministry success. It's far more than financial blessing. It's having that incredible sense of the favor of God in every part of your life. That God in his goodness has invaded you in your weakness and he has overwhelmed you with his presence and the person of Christ and indeed the purposes of God. We all desire to be fruitful. And we can't be fruitful without a couple of things in place. Let me talk to you about what I think this fruitfulness that is spoken of in David's life is about. David was a man after God's own heart. Sorry, Joseph. He was a type of of Christ for us. And indeed, there are a couple of things here that I think that may help us understand what it means to be fruitful The first thing that I think God satisfies in fruitfulness is our longing to be enjoyed by God. Now, church, can I just tell you, some of us think we've been endured by God. We think that God just puts up with us, you know, that he kind of loves us, but he doesn't like us. Because we are so shame-based in the way we think, we don't realize that Christ who has won the victory, we just sung about it, has taken our shame and taken our sin and we are new creatures in Christ. And even if you were a sinner tonight, and nudge the person next to you and say he might be talking to you, even if you were a sinner tonight, listen to this phrase, while you were still yet in your sin, Christ Jesus died for you. We all have a longing, a craving, a desire to be enjoyed by God. And isn't it wonderful that Jesus Christ has opened up the possibility for that in our lives. And so your relationship with him is one to be enjoyed. You're meant to enjoy him and you're, well, you've gotta yield a little bit and think a little bit, but you are to allow him to enjoy you. God likes you. He enjoys your company. Now, some of us here aren't sure about you, but he's certain about you. Some of us haven't made up our mind about you, but he's made up his mind about you. God is for you. He's for you. Come on, church. He is for you tonight. He wants to enjoy you, and he wants you to enjoy him. This is not a duty-based relationship connection. This is a relationship founded on love. And love cannot be prescribed, it has to be, you have to learn to abide in it. You have to learn to resolve in your heart that you are completely and utterly the affections of God. God loves you, he delights in you. Listen to what the Scripture says, Zephaniah 3.17. He rejoices over you with singing. Did you know that you caused God to burst into song? Now I wonder if he's a baritone or a tenor. Imagine having that impact that when you, in God's presence, open your mouth and worship and thank Him, His heart is so enlarged that He rejoices over you with singing. Isn't that a good thought? Of all the thoughts that you'll get tonight, it's good to know that God likes you, that God enjoys your company, that you are His favorite. How many of us have always wanted to be somebody's favorite? (laughs) All of us are God's favorites. The second thing that I think resembles fruitfulness is this, is the longing in our hearts for fascination. Now, I believe some of us have gone to extremes to try and keep that alive and keep that stimulated. But have you noticed that more and more in the world in which we're living, people are so easily distracted by all kinds of things. Why is that? Because we have been designed to be in awe of God. Only he can fascinate us. Only he can truly satisfy the craving in our lives to be fully awakened to the world in which he's placed us and in relationship with him. You were designed to be fascinated. It wasn't Disney that invented it. It wasn't Star Wars that supplied it. It isn't Harry Potter, forget that, forget that. That craving in your heart to connect with something otherworldly is actually given to you by God. And he gave it to you so that you would lean into him and be fascinated by who he is. Everlasting to everlasting is the love of the Lord. Get your head around that. There's a place to be fascinated. His mercy endures forever. I mean my mercy endures for about 10 minutes. His mercy endures forever. Can you imagine? Think on those things. Philippians 4 verse 8 says this, whatever things are noble, whatever things are praiseworthy, whatever things are excellent, these things preoccupy yourself with. Why? Because we were created to be fascinated and there is only one person in this room that can keep you bedazzled until eternity is over and eternity will never be over. It's God Almighty himself. And even the angels in heaven, they cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And just like they've never seen him, they go, "Oh, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Forever and ever and ever and ever he reigns and rules. And just like they didn't get it the second time, oh, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. As he unveils his glory to you, you will be fascinated for eternity. People ask me all the time, you know, when you get to heaven, will you notice your wife? I think I'll be so smitten with Jesus. I'm hoping she'll recognize me. I'm hoping I'll recognize her. But you know, the truth is when we get there, everything that we desired here on earth will be satisfied as we connect with him. Everything that we've seen through a glass dimly will become apparent and real to us. All the cravings of our heart will be satisfied in relationship with God eternally. But today you can be fascinated by him. To be fruitful is to have your fascination fulfilled. To be fruitful is a longing in our hearts that only God can satisfy for beauty. Have you noticed, if you're really honest with yourself, that one of the biggest issues to us as human beings is that we might not be as beautiful as we used to be? Now it's hard for you to believe, ladies, but I was hot once. See, I knew it would be hard for you to believe. I'll be a bit vulnerable with you. A couple of weeks ago, I was praying with some young man here who came to some event that we had on and I was chatting with him and, you know, I felt the Holy Spirit just kind of speaking to me. He had some issues around same-sex attraction and people kind of come to talk to me about that. And, you know, I couldn't get over how good-looking he was. That's okay to say, isn't it? Can you not say somebody's good-looking? See, now you all think that somehow it's a sin. But you know, we love beauty. We were created for beauty. Have a look around you. There's got to be someone, at least one here. <coughs> you might be the one. There's something about beauty that draws us. It, it, it's like a magnet to us. And we're drawn towards it. There is a God who is so breathtakingly beautiful that every time he touches your heart and your life, you will just melt in the presence of his beauty. He is so stunning. It's remarkable. So incredibly beautiful. I've watched his hand on people's lives do beautiful things in very broken people. Isn't that amazing? You might be one of those broken people he did a beautiful thing in. It's a beautiful thing for us to be in relationship with God. It's a beautiful thing for us to behold who he truly is. We have a longing for beauty. And we have a longing to be beautiful. Do you know, God just doesn't put up with you. He thinks you're wonderful. You know, you may not like your nose, but he created it. I mean, you may have been to the plastic surgeon and tried everything to re-alter everything about your external reality, but he knows your heart from a thousand paces. He sees who you are. He fashioned you in your mother's womb. You cannot change that relationship with him no matter what you do on the outside. No amount of plastic will ever suffice <laughs> where God is concerned. <coughs> to be fruitful is to be awakened to beauty, You know, when I was a kid, I was so stunned by the beauty around me. Do you ever go for a walk and think it's quite quite amazing, the world we live in? Have you ever been anywhere where you think it's amazing? You know, I know sometimes when we're living in inner city areas, it's difficult to see some of the grandeur of nature. But actually, if you open your eyes, you will see the beauty of God everywhere. In the rustling of a tree. I was somewhere the other day, and it's come to that time where the winds are blowing And all of these petals were flying off a tree. I just stood there and allowed it to come all over me. I thought, I feel like I'm getting married all over again. It's like heavenly confetti. Come on, Jesus. If you have an innocence regarding those things, you will see God in all manner of things. And you were created to have those kind of experiences. I can see God in little children when they're dancing at the front that abandonment to protocol or position, or they don't care about any of that. They don't care about your evil eyes looking at them saying, sit down, they're not interested in that. They are so smitten by the music, so overwhelmed by what's happening. They are oblivious to you. And it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. When I talk to people who've been ravished by drugs and addictions, And I see that they are well inside. I mean, not just conformed and not taking the stuff anymore, but actually alive, actually full of Jesus. There's something beautiful about that. God, give us eyes to see. Give us eyes to see. Give us eyes to see, God. All around us in all kinds of ways, you have given us a desire to behold beauty and to be beautiful. Give other people eyes to see, Jesus. Give other people eyes to see who we truly are. Another thing that makes us fruitful is this. (coughs) Our longing for greatness can be satisfied in relationship to God. You know, Jesus said that greater things you shall do even than I have done. I don't know any of you. Have anybody here walked on water recently? Anybody raised the dead in the last week or two? You see, I really believe one day I'll see the dead raised. No, let me explain why. Because I've been raising the dead every Sunday for the last 25 years. I think that God has been training me for that. Can you imagine what the greater things are? So your desire for greatness, the church will tell you that you need to suppress that. But can I tell you that God wants to lift that up Arise, shine. There's a clue. The shining is revealing to the world around you what God has placed in you. And you know what? That brings glory to God whenever you do that well. If you're good at something, don't hide your light under a bushel. Allow it to reveal to people the goodness and the nature of God. To be fruitful and not be successful is one option, but to be fruitful in the sense that we are operating in the fullness of the greatness that God has given us, the capacity that he's placed inside of us, then I think that's something quite remarkable. And doesn't the scripture say over people like you and I that we're a royal priesthood? Isn't that quite great? Come on, people, wake up. A royal priesthood? What about this? A holy nation? I wonder if the priesthood and the holy nation have some connection. I wonder if we step up into our royal priesthood, we'd actually have a holy nation. A people set apart for the purposes of God. What are the purposes of God? To reveal Christ, to reveal the glory of the Son. Fruitfulness is so much more than perhaps we thought. Another thing that would make us fruitful is when our craving for intimacy is satisfied. I think in every human heart we long to be known. The problem is we hide who we truly are because we've been scarred and marred by life. We might even be full of shame as a result of some things that we think or engage with but actually In every human soul, there is a craving for intimacy that can only be satisfied gloriously through relationship with God. And intimacy is simply this, in-to-me-see, that I could be transparent before you. You know, often I'm criticized because I'm very open about my struggles and my problems and my journey, but you know, I'd rather be authentic than be fake. And because I am open, don't think for one second that I don't have regrets. Of course I do. But I know God has redeemed certain parts of my nature and I am not ashamed of them the way some people would want me to be. If the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. So we don't need to hide ourselves from God. We need to give ourselves to God. Present your body as a living sacrifice. There's a clue. Give up the whole thing to God. He created it. He knows you well. Do you know one of the greatest revelations I ever had with God, probably about three years into my relationship with him, I used to keep saying this to him. God, I'm so sorry I let you down. I'm so sorry I let you down. Is there anybody here who sinned occasionally? Come on, talk to me. Is there anybody? I know some of you. You sin more than occasionally, if I'm honest. And isn't there that cycle where you go back to God and you say, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. This is what God said to me. He said, Simon, why did you keep saying sorry? I said, God, I must really disappoint you. He said, you couldn't disappoint me. I didn't have any expectations in the first place. (laughs) I know that you're broken. I know that you've got pain in your life. I know that you try and fix those things with all kinds of things, but now we're together. Let me fix them for you. Let me work with you until you're healed and restored. And your church, there is a connection between wholeness and holiness. Sometimes I'm trying to be holy and I'm not whole. He is the restorer of my soul. He lifts my head from my belly gazing problem to the heavens, to where my hope comes from. My hope is not in me fixing me. My hope is in the God who formed me, reforming me to my original design. I don't need to lose heart about the fact that I'm not all together. I was never all together and I probably won't ever be all together until one day, the Bible says, I will meet him and I will be like him. But it's his work in me that changes me, not my work on me. How can a dead man help a dead man? But there is one who was risen, his name is Christ Jesus our Lord. And everything pertaining to our human state that keeps us trapped and broken and confined, he purchased by his precious blood and he came to set captives free, to bind up the brokenhearted. That's good news. You'd never tell by looking at some of your faces, but it's good news, church. So our longing for intimacy cannot be covered over. In fact, if you think about some of the problems you've got yourself into, it's because that longing has drawn you into all kinds of situations trying to find the love that you crave. Someone to see you for who you truly are. And isn't that a little scary? But how incredible is this, that one who is perfect gazes on you looks into you, wants relationship with you, and it's a two-way street. Into me, see, is my invitation to God, but this is God's invitation to me. Into me, see. Come a little closer, come a little nearer, Simon. Come and discover who I truly am. And what about this? The longing to be wholehearted. Would you ever just want to be absolutely sold out? See, I think God believes there's potential in all of us to be sold out. Let me tell you why. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your strength. What if what was happening in you today is God fashioning in you that kind of resolute? That you would come to a point where you would love Him with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And trust me, that has to be a work of the Holy Spirit. That's not something you can do through human effort. That's the working of God in you to bring you to that place where you are giving yourself wholeheartedly to Christ. And notice it doesn't say just love the Lord with all your heart and your mind and your strength. It says out of that place begin to love others. Allow others to see what you have seen. To discover what you discovered. And finally this is the final thought on fruitfulness. There's a longing in all of us to make an impact. You know, a couple of years ago I was standing at the grave of somebody who is a friend of mine who committed suicide and (coughs) I'd taken the funeral and I was standing next to my daughter, Emily, and um, I looked at her and I had this question in my mind. I thought, I wonder what she will say about me whenever I'm dead. I know it's a bit morbid, but... (laughs) And I thought... What would I like her to say about me? Well, I'd like her to say a number of things. In fact, if I'm really honest with you, I'm gonna write the script for my funeral so that people say the things I want them to say. Is that okay? I've even thought of going into a recording studio and, <laughs> and just recording myself talking about myself. Wouldn't that be good? <laughs> You're all going like this on the inside and laughing on the outside. So what kind of an impact would I like to have had on her life? You bet I'd like to have had some impact on it. I'd like her to think maybe I was kind, perhaps generous. That'd be a good thing for your daughter to think about you. She certainly had enough testimonies to prove that I've been generous. (laughs) She's got enough trinkets and treasures to prove I've been generous, that's for sure. Would I like her to think I was a good husband to my wife Jane? Absolutely, I would. And you know, in that moment of clarity, it began to dawn on me what I believe should be the impact of my life. I'd like her to say above all things, my dad loved Jesus. In fact, I've written it out for her to say at the funeral. (laughs) So when it says that Joseph is a fruitful vine, it's talking about a lot more than just ministry success or financial blessing. It's talking about a life that's flourishing in all its fullest capacity out of relationship with God. It's talking about every one of our needs being met out of connectivity and intimacy with God. And can I just say this to you, church? I believe that Jesus was talking about that very thing when he said in John 10, 10, I have come that you should have life and life in all its fullness. You see, God is not some cosmic killjoy. As some would suggest he is, but he's a loving father who delights to give good gifts to his children. Now, if your passion for fruitfulness is being stirred, let me tell you a little bit how passionate God is to make you fruitful. See, God has moved heaven to earth in Jesus Christ so that you would never be in doubt of his commitment to your fruitfulness. Not just ministry success or financial blessing, but the fullness of life that you crave for, that you've been searching for in all manner of things. Jesus truly satisfies. He satisfies the deepest longings of the human heart. There is no one who can touch you like he touches you. No one who can connect with you like he's connected with you. There's no one who can satisfy all that's inside of you like he can satisfy you. He truly is breathtaking in his capacity. He knows you, he formed you, he placed you in your mother's womb, he knitted you together. Your personality is no secret to him. He knows exactly what makes you tick. He knows where you come alive and he knows when you fall asleep. (laughs) I'm just saying that for some of you because you're not enough. there is nothing about you that Christ can't satisfy and fulfill in you. And look how Joseph resources that fruitfulness. It says, Joseph is a fruitful vine, a fruitful vine near a spring. I believe to be truly fruitful in the manner in which I've described, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to have access to every area of our lives. You know, I think sometimes we're guilty of saying to the Holy Spirit, come here, do this. We are meant to be rooted in the Holy Spirit. A vine has roots, they go deep. And everything that you see above the surface in this particular picture of fruitfulness is actually just a byproduct of what's happening in the deep place. A vine planted by a stream of life, I think the authorised version says. Do you know that Jesus promised you that you would have a river that never runs dry? that the resource of the Holy Spirit and the source of the power to live this fruitful life comes out of abiding in the Holy Spirit's presence. He has the capacity to make you everything that Christ has indeed designed you to be. He is our source. He is the one that brings to life everything about God and brings to life everything that's been deadened in us by the experiences of the life that we've had The Holy Spirit is your greatest advocate. He is your greatest friend. He is your greatest cheerleader. He knows everything about everything and he opens up the things of God to us as we abide in relationship. It's not just speaking in tongues at the end of a song or a moment where we go into some kind of, you know, beautiful place with God. Actually, he is the abiding presence of the fullness of God that's been deposited in your life so that you can grow into the fullness that Christ has designed you to be. Jesus said, didn't he, to his disciples, I must go and the comforter is coming. What is more comforting, that my pain is, is balmed by some kind of appeasement? Or is this not more comforting, that the God who lives inside me by the power of the Holy Spirit can do anything in me and anything through me that makes me the man that I'm supposed to be? What is more comforting, that I just get my wounds Healed by God or that I get the life that I was promised by Jesus? (coughs) How deep in the water are you? How saturated by the Holy Spirit is your life? I would like to suggest by the measure to which you are filled with the Holy Spirit or given over to the Holy Spirit will be the measure of your fruitfulness in the kingdom of God. You see, church, it's not by might it's not by power, but by the Holy Spirit. We need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit on a regular basis. Just because you got baptized in 1974 doesn't mean that there isn't more. God has much more for us. Much more revelation. You know, the Holy Spirit brings revelation to the Word of God. Do you know that for us? He opens up the scriptures to us, amen? How many of us need more of that? That would change your daily reading with Jesus. It'd be all night with Jesus if the Holy Spirit turned up and opened up the word to you. The Holy Spirit takes all that is known in God and he makes it available to us, amen? How deep, how deep are you in the Holy Spirit? See, just because we call ourselves a Pentecostal church doesn't mean that we're all filled with the Holy Spirit. And this life that you want, this fruitful life, with all of those satisfactions that come from relationship with God, they come out of a reliance, a dependence, and a provision which God gives to us through the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will help you be well. He'll help you be whole again. He'll open up so many things to you. You know, I I feel in these days, the church could do with a renaissance of a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Not just a a memory of what was, a real living, vibrant experience of the power of the Holy Spirit again. So we're all designed to be fruitful and God, in His great intentionality, has provided access to that fruitfulness. And the vehicle by which we start to be affected in those ways is through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But look at this next thing, and I'll finish with this. It says, Whose branches climb over a wall. When I read that, I realize and recognize that what's happening here has, in the natural terms, some parameters. So you usually place a wall around something that's valuable, a piece of land. But what happens in Joseph and what can happen in us through the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit is that we can exceed the boundaries that life may have placed upon us. Some of us in this room were not born to nobility, We are royal priests and a holy nation, but actually, by natural birth, we're just very ordinary people. Some of us are not necessarily educated thoroughly. Do you know, I often find that sometimes people think that education is a fruit of the Spirit. Sometimes people say to me, oh, this is so-and-so, they're a lawyer. Sometimes I want to say, and... Just because we have a qualification here on earth doesn't mean that we're qualified in the heavenly realms with God. God takes sometimes the foolish things, I'm up for that, and uses them to confound the wisdoms of mankind. Now, am I against intellectual people? Of course not. I'm highly intellectual myself. (laughs) My mind can't get me where the spirit can take me. Sometimes God offends certain things I think to reveal certain things I feel. God's ways are not my ways. I can't always learn them from a book. I have to learn them in relationship with him. It doesn't matter what box anyone's put you in. It doesn't matter how many walls the world has placed around you and said to you, you stay there. You know your place and you stay in your corner. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether you're a housewife whose husband or partner doesn't know Jesus and you're only allowed one meeting a week and God knows you've chosen this one tonight and you're living in regret for the rest of the evening. It doesn't matter what restrictions, confinements what parameters, what conditions your life is in. Because I promise you tonight that if you have a passion to be fruitful, and I think it's in all of us, and you're plugged into the resource of the Holy Spirit, there is no boundary, there is no boundary to what God can do in and through your life. Your branches will hang on over the walls that people place on you. They'll hang outside of the parameters that people prescribe to you. They'll become excessively available to those who are passing by. Fruitfulness like that is something that I want in my life. My life may not be everything I want it to be. And there are certainly some things that try to confine me but the God inside of me will have the last word on what defines me. It is not my life outside of here that determines who I am. It is the life inside of me by the power of the Holy Spirit that determines how fruitful I can be.